Hi everyone, welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Seven months before George Floyd died in Minneapolis, a similar death occurred in San Diego. Greg Moran has the story. Then, this week's name drop San Diego guest is Andrew Strong, the director of the county's Office of Equity and Racial Justice. First, the news. A drive to remove Governor Gavin Newsom from office collected enough voter signatures to qualify for the ballot state officials reported Monday. This is the second time in the state's history a recall effort has reached the ballot. Recall backers submitted nearly 1.5 million verified voter signatures, equal to 12% of all ballots cast in the last gubernatorial election, meeting the threshold to force a special recall election. Barring intervention by the courts, Newsom will face a statewide vote of confidence by the year's end. California is losing a U.S. House seat for the first time in its 170-year history. Census Bureau population data released Monday is used to determine how the nation's 435 House seats are allocated. California remains the most populous state by far with nearly 39.58 million people, but it's growing more slowly than other states and will see its House delegation drop from 53 to 52. California's population grew by about 2.3 million people since the 2010 census, but has been nearly flat since 2017. Apple plans to vastly increase its engineering footprint in San Diego, pledging to grow its local workforce to more than 5,000 employees over the course of the next five years. The iPhone maker laid out its growth blueprint for the region on Monday as part of a commitment to invest $430 billion and add 20,000 new jobs across the U.S. by 2026. Apple currently employs close to 1,000 workers in San Diego. It said most jobs are focused on hardware and software engineering. Seven months before George Floyd died in Minneapolis, a similar death occurred in San Diego. 24-year-old Angel Zapata Hernandez died on October 15, 2019, after a security officer for the Metropolitan Transit System held him down with a knee to the neck. Like Floyd, Hernandez was pinned down for about nine minutes, and also like Floyd, the death was captured on video. The similarities are stunning, but the dissimilarities stand out. The officers were not charged, and the public only learned of this tragedy last week when San Diego County and MTS settled with Hernandez's family for $5.5 million. Greg Moran covers criminal justice at the UT. Greg, will you explain to me what happened to Hernandez? Yeah, uh, last uh, October uh, in 2019, he uh, was uh, downtown in the vicinity of, of the Santa Fe Depot. He had spent a full day working and then uh, went home uh, to his family's home on House Street, told his parents or his mom that he was gonna go down, uh, go out, I think to the store or something and get food and, and somehow he ended up downtown. Um, while he was there, uh, a couple of uh, MTS security officers uh, saw him. He was wandering in the area kind of in between the train tracks, uh, moving back and forth. Um, kind of aimlessly, uh, and that's when they approached him um, and uh, to kind of inquire what he was doing. The One of the security officers said he, he was concerned about his safety. He was, of course, in the train right-of-way. It was a no trespassing area. But later, he, he, he developed a sense that he could be uh, under the influence of drugs uh, and uh, could hurt himself or 
or others. And so they approached him, um, they, they held him down. What was the cause of death? Uh, yeah, they, they approached him and, uh, you know, talked to him a little bit, asked for his identification, and then he, uh, for reasons that are unknown, uh, you know, ran off. He uh, uh, ran away. Um, and uh, that, uh, uh, they chased him, uh, they caught up with him on a kind of a train platform tried to restrain him uh, and a uh, struggle ensued. They were able to handcuff him and, and pull him uh, and pull him down to the ground. Uh, and there were two of these officers and they, they held him down with pressure on his back of his knees, his back, his upper uh, shoulder area. And then eventually for six minutes, one of the two officers kneeled uh, on his neck the cause of death, uh, and i got to get this uh, straight, it was basically uh, heart attack, cardiopulmonary arrest uh, due to positional restraint. He also had a, a heart disease, and that um, uh, was a contributing factor to his death, but that's what the um, medical examiner uh, had ruled uh, in this case. Another big question here is, you know, Hernandez died in October of 2019, but the video of his death wasn't released until last week when the settlement was announced. Why didn't the public know about this sooner? Well, I mean, that's a great question. And, and that was really kind of the reason behind the whole uh, story, really. We didn't know about it until uh, last Monday at a news conference when MTS and uh, Eugene Iredale, the really well-known civil rights lawyer in San Diego and the lawyer for the family, announced a settlement of a claim they had filed, not a lawsuit, but a claim they had filed against the agency um, a couple of months after uh, uh, Angel uh, had died. Um, we, we didn't know it about it for kind of a constellation of, of reasons, right? One is, um, you know, MTS officers, although they are uh, provide security on the system, are not under law like peace officers or police officers or custodial officers. They are something called a public officer um, and they aren't, aren't really subject to a lot of the laws, particularly uh, in the last few years, the kind of police accountability and transparency laws that apply to um, you know, uniform uh, sworn peace officers in the state of California. So, some of those laws, you know, would have um, uh, required this video to be released earlier if somebody had asked for it. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if very many people did. And that kind of leads into the second reason, which was the initial report on this from the San Diego Police Department in a news release was very uh, minimal. Um, you know, I think it was one paragraph. Uh, the initial news release didn't even identify him. And it, and it said nothing about uh, the, the long struggle, the long restraint, um, said nothing about him being um, pinned down with a knee to the neck. Um, the second news release the next day identified him, uh, Angel Hernandez by name. Um, so that uh, really didn't uh, uh, excite any interest. Um, there was no, um, you know, independent uh, video or cell phone video or or witnesses. This was kind of in a no man's land of the, the train tracks down there. So, um, it, you know, there were a lot of things. And then um, after, uh, in the aftermath, the uh, San Diego Police Department began to investigate this death. 
uh, when they did, uh, they ordered the they asked or ordered the autopsy to be sealed, which it was, and so that uh, potential avenue to get information was closed off. Uh, and then they made, did an investigation and referred the whole case over to the district attorney's office, which conducted its investigation. Um, now I was told that during this time, you know, the, the MTS was had was not allowed to release. Uh, the video, even to the to Iredale, the lawyer for the family, they said, "Look, it's it's with the DA's office. Uh, they're asking us not to release it." Um, so it wasn't until July. So what is that? So now we're nine months into the event, maybe more, um, that the district attorney Summer Stefan decided not um, to charge anyone, any of the two security workers in this case. So it was no longer a criminal case. That then released uh, the video. Um, to its credit, and MTS and Nathan Fletcher, the chairman of the board of MTS, have been given a lot of credit for this since Monday. They immediately tried to resolve the case without, um, you know, the need for the family to go through a, a lawsuit or anything. Uh, he he's told me that an hour after he saw the video, he was on the phone with Iredale saying, you know, we're going to compensate the family. We're going to make changes. We're, we're going to take care of this. Um, so. But that was so July, so it takes another number of months to really kind of tie up the settlement. And I think that was in some ways uh, a product of the COVID uh, pandemic. It was hard to kind of get people together. It was, you know, difficult to kind of schedule. Um, they, they went to mediation uh, and like a lot of business and uh, court functions, you know, I guess the, the mediation industry was also impacted by it. So it just, it took a long time. Um, that's a long answer. I, I think the short answer is, is that this was a case that uh, frankly didn't draw a lot of attention when it happened. Um, and uh, because of some of the processes, I guess, uh, that are used in these death investigations, um, very little information came out. Why didn't the DA bring charges against anyone in this case? Well, their stated reason, I mean, they put out a, a one paragraph statement on the on the Monday when the news conferences were out, basically said, we didn't think that there was enough evidence here to prove a charge beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, I asked for an interview with Summer Stefan or any of the three prosecutors that they had who reviewed this, um, they wouldn't do it. Uh, they did put out kind of a lengthier statement, um, uh, which outlined some of the reasoning. It, it, as far as I can tell, it came down to this. The, the medical examiner's report, which although it ruled the, the, the manner of death to be a homicide, uh, you know, that has a, a specific connotation or meaning in that context, which is a, a homicide that's not a legal conclusion, that's just a homicide under the law means death at the hands of another. So they were, it was a homicide, but it was due to this um, cardiopulmonary um, arrest. Uh, so because the medical examiners did not say or conclude that any of the uh, things done by the two security officers, restraining him for a long period of time, handcuffed, face down, with both of their body weights on him, um, really led to his death or, or, or were the reason for his death. And that, in fact, the death was caused uh, by another uh, mechanism. Um, that was one. 
they apparently interviewed the medical examiners on their own, uh, the DA's office did, and they said they did not think that it was uh, because of the restraint that he died. Um, also, there's this question here of, you know, they didn't think any, any either of them intended uh, to kill him. Uh, that's a key element in proving a murder charge. Um, they really didn't address the lesser murder charges, which are manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, which is killing without intent. I would have liked to ask them about that, but they didn't want to. Um, mostly it was a, a situation where they thought there wasn't an intent. The medical uh, examiner's determination was not strong enough to move forward. Uh, and so they didn't. Um, the Hernandez family's lawyer and also Alliance San Diego um, praised the county's handling of this, you know, for acknowledging wrongdoing pretty soon after the incident and for working to correct it. What changes have we seen from, you know, MTS and otherwise because of this case? Um, they've introduced, uh, you know, uh, changes. They have a new use of force policy, which specifically and explicitly bans not only carotid restraints, which is a particular kind of arm hold that's very dangerous, uh, and most departments now have, have many have abandoned, but it, it specifically prohibits using the knee uh, on the neck or any other part, body part to restrain someone. So that's kind of but, but the whole use of force policy has changed. Um, they've also have more training. They added an extra week of training for these security personnel, not police officers, but the security personnel. Um, they're, you know, it's even stuff like they're giving them, you know, new uniforms, which kind of are, I guess, more benign looking uniforms. They're trying to change, I think, their whole approach to uh, security, uh, 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 you know, on the on the system where it's not as confrontational or uh, kind of, you know, as uh, 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 policing oriented and things like that. And there are, are going to be more um, coming forward. They said they really, Fletcher, you know, has said that they really want to make a uh, wholesale change in how MTS thinks about security on the system. Um, that some of that, I think, may have been in the works. Um, but I think uh, the death of Hernandez, how it happened, and the power of that videotape really accelerated a lot more changes. Um, and when those were hashed out with people like Alliance, with the uh, plaintiff's attorney, I mean, they brought in these other community groups, Alliance, and I think a couple of others to kind of ask them, you know, what do you think, what's the best thing to do here? You know, uh, should they be doing more, that kind of thing? So it was sort of a unique aspect to the settlement. And finally, what might happen as a result uh, of your reporting? I mean, is this case closed or could it be revisited in some way? You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know, actually, <laughs> that a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I suppose it's, uh, it's possible that another entity, the Attorney General's office, perhaps, uh, federal prosecutors, you know, could take a look at it and decide that, oh, there is some criminal responsibility here. Uh, I, you know, I suppose the district attorney could, you know, have second thoughts. I just think all three of those are, you know, unlikely. Uh, you know, it's not, um, it, it's not very 
very likely that that that'll happen. I, I think, um, you know, it may have been different if this had come out right away, um, but uh, you know, now I, I don't I don't think so. Now for Opinion. Abby Hamblin is an opinion editor and producer at the UT. Together we host Name Drop San Diego, a weekly interview podcast about the people who make San Diego great. So Abby, tell me about our guest this week. So we are talking to Andrew Strong. He is the director of the San Diego County Office of Race and Equity, which is a new office. It's just been established, um, I think last June. And so he's just taken on the role recently. And he's a longtime San Diego County uh, government employee. He's done all different kinds of jobs uh, in, in working toward this position. And now he's been on the job um, a little while now. And so he's able to talk about kind of what he's seen so far and what he plans to do and what he hopes to see. And um, the point of the job is to just, um, you know, look for bias and uh, systemic racism within the San Diego County government, which is pretty big and pretty involved throughout the county. Um, so very important job and the first to do it. Yeah, I was really surprised. We asked him to grade the county on its racial equity efforts like today as it stands. And um, he actually answered that question. So tune in if you want to hear the answer. But Abby, why is why is he somebody that San Diegans should know? So there's obviously the aspect of this job. I mean, it's especially after the year that we saw last summer where there were, you know, racial pro racial justice protests week after week, day after day throughout San Diego County. You know, the public has made it well known that they want to see change in San Diego County, whether that's policing reform or some of the um, sort of systemic issues in uh, the county. So obviously, if you were a part of those efforts, you'd be wanting to hear this. If you're just curious about how the county is addressing some of these things, um, I, I would just say that the, you know, the role is so very much a a response to those protests and those efforts, but also I think uh, just kind of a long time coming in San Diego County. And um, also just to get to know the person who's gonna be doing this job. You know, he has a family history of the fight um, for racial equity and racial justice. And um, he's just someone, I think, you know, if, you, if you've dealt with the county over the years for any reason, which we all um, should and will be doing, um, it's just kind of interesting to learn about the people who make these decisions and make these changes and uh, are part of the everyday aspects of our lives that the county um, oversees. So just someone important to know, I would say. Yeah, that's a great point. Let's go ahead and end on this clip uh, with Andrew Strong talking about his family uh, involvement in the civil rights movement. I'm originally from Shreveport, Louisiana, um, and um, equity I would say racial justice more so has been a part of the fabric of who I am for forever. Um, my, you know, my dad was in the Air Force. He was in Vietnam and his first cousins, Mecca Evers. I'm not sure that if you know that that's a, he was a civil rights activist leader um, in NAACP in Mississippi. He was assassinated in, his, in front of his, of his home. And, um, you know, my dad would tell stories about, you know, conversations he had with him and, and how that influenced his life. Um, you know, growing up in the South, you know, we have families on, on the Oakland Plantation in Natchitoches, Louisiana, where it's uh, right on the Cane River, and that's where my mom's side of the family is from. And, you know, that, that plantation is 
a national park, right? And my ancestors who were enslaved, there are pictures of my ancestors in some of the slave shacks. And the reason why we would, the reason why we had family reunions there is so that our family could tell us about the importance of our history, right? And that it didn't just start with slavery, it started before we came to this country. So, you know, all that has kind of been imparted to me over time, but, but specifically in my career, um, when I came into the county, you know, I mentioned that one of the first things that they asked me to do was to, to, to kind of dust off the diversity and inclusion training for the county and, 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 and do work in that space. And the first thing I noticed was how conservative of an approach right, um, that we had to take based on the environment. And, and at that moment, um, that, that, that gave me a passion to make mental notes along my career, right, to try to do things as much as I could behind the scene to make changes until I was able to get into a position to where I could actually do something substantive. You can find these stories online at SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.